0: Well, it is uh, first Sunday of 2015. I don't know uh, if you've made your list yet. We made a Christmas list. Now, did you make a uh, New Year's list? Make some plans and thoughts about the new year. And kind of, we do that at this season of the year. We kind of go back and we look and say, what was in 2015 or 14? And you know, we kind of look back on that. And some of those things, I don't know if you're like me. I look back and I say, well. I think I would have liked to add a few things different about 2014, and uh, and yet I look back and I say God's presence was there, and as Brian prayed, uh, it's uh, about God's presence all the time. And it's not always about getting what we want or having it work out the way we hoped it would, but but His presence is there. And we look about the future and we say, where are we going in 2015? And you know, none of us knows the future. Uh, we don't know what uh, tomorrow holds or what next week holds or next year holds. But but we know it's coming. And, and in that process, we kind of have some evaluation of that. Do you, have, you, have you kind of thought about some things that you think this might be on the horizon for my life? I have a few of those things. I, I, I kind of had fun. I, I started looking around and... Things that happen in the course of a year for many of us who live in the United States of America. And I realize that uh, 85% of us, so we can probably count on this, most of us, are going to go on vacation somewhere this year, right? But sad news is that 65% of you are going to work, excuse me, 65% of us, because I'm one of those, are going to work on vacation. Is that, I don't know why we do that, but, you know, Europeans don't do that. They go on vacation, they have more vacation days and they just go and work. Only about 15% of them work while they're on vacation. About 3 or 4.3 million people are going to get married this year. I just found out my 90-year-old father is going to be one of those. Yeah, that's a story. <laughs> Sorry, that was recorded, wasn't it? Sorry. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Yeah, he doesn't listen to podcasts, though, so we'll so be okay. <laughs> yeah, that's fun. Stuff happens. <laughs> there are going to be about 3.9 million births this year. We have one coming in three weeks, más o menos, or sooner, if possible. <laughs> About 3.3 million students will graduate from high school. Yes! I, there's one. <laughs> okay, you're, you're part of that statistic. Okay, there we go. Uh, about 2 million people are going to quit work. They're going to just say, I don't want to do this job anymore. Yeah, I guess some of you are ready for that. Yeah. About 7.5 million of you are just going to get laid off. That, that's kind of a d- depressing statistic, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. About 5.5 million homes are going to be sold this year. Which makes me think I want to go into real estate. Of course, everybody else wants to too, so that doesn't really help us too much. But there will be about, and this was a very hard statistic to track down, about 3.6 divorces for every thousand adults. I think that was the word. That will impact some of us, either personally or extended. I got this figure. This is a good number. 963,739 people filed for bankruptcy in 2013, because 14 statistics aren't out yet. There will probably be that many again. 2.5 million people died in 2013. My last and favorite one is that there is a one in a hundred billion chance, not that you'll win the lottery, which is almost as bad, but that a piece of space debris will fall on you and cause bodily injury. I think we're safe on that one. You know, it's uh, it's funny. They have statistics on everything. I mean, it's just absolutely any and everything you can find a statistic on. And some of them are just silly. Uh, one in a hundred billion chance of having space debris fall on you. And some of them come a lot closer to home. Uh, when we talk about uh, divorce and we talk about sickness and death and those kinds of things. Kind of near and dear to my heart. Um, Some of the things are full of sadness and those kinds of things. Some of them are full of joy. 2014, I had a a new grandbaby. Well, I didn't, but my daughter did. And uh, I get the privilege of hanging out with him a lot. What else happened? My son got married. I had a lot of those things happen in my life last year. There's stuff that happens in life. And and, and we don't really know what is going to come. We don't really know uh, whether it's joy or sorrow. We, we don't know any of that stuff. What day did you guys get married? Ah, last year. Sorry. You're going to be my first statistic for this year, but (laughs) it happens. But this is what I want you to know above all else. That as you think about what 2015 holds for you, I want you to know that God is on your side. That, that no matter what comes, and, and this, isn't a, this is not a, you know, like God's on my side, so he's going to bless me and I'm going to have, you know, everything good happen in 2015. No, that's not what I mean. What I mean is this, is that God is on your side. God walks with you. God is for you. God is working on your behalf. God is present with you in every circumstance of your life through every minute of every day, of every hour, of your forever. He's on your side. And I can say that and believe that because I believe what his word tells us. And that's what it is. He's with us. He invites us to come to him and find hope and help and strength in every moment, in every circumstance to rejoice and to cry, to do it all with him. Hebrews chapter 4 is my text for today, and 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 I'd just like to read you a few verses out of chapter 4, and then we're going to talk about it a little bit. Beginning at verse 14, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, it says this. It says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we have been, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy And find grace to help us in our time of need. That that is the reality that we live in. We live in this context of a God who is on our side. Of a God who invites us to come to a throne of grace. And find strength and mercy and help in time of need. That's who he is. But this passage of scripture really comes in a context and it carries behind it a story that is full of meaning and, and, and connectedness for us. Where you see, the, the writer of Hebrews is, is telling his readers, see, I'm, I'm telling you this because of something else. I'm reminding you of this because of something else. He says, therefore, in verse 14. And if you go back and you and you read uh, the rest of chapter four, the beginning of chapter four and and even before that in chapter three, he he's talking to the the Hebrews about their faith in God. Now you have to understand that that the recipients of this letter, many believe, were were leaders and perhaps priests that had come out of out of Judaism to follow Jesus Christ. and in the midst of that, they experienced tremendous persecution and tremendous separation from all that they had known to be true. And they were asking this question, is Jesus really who he says he is? Is this Jesus someone we can really trust or not? And he's telling them. He said, there's nobody like Jesus. Moses isn't, and the angels aren't, and the priests aren't. There's nobody like Jesus. Jesus is the one, and Jesus is on our side. There's nowhere else to go. If we're not going to Jesus, there's nowhere else to go. And he makes reference to a story from the Old Testament. And he says to them, guys, if today's the day, you can't you can't equivocate on this. This is it. You you you've got to choose. You got to choose today whom you're going to serve. You've got to choose how you're going to walk into the future. And he makes reference to a story that comes in numbers. If you have your Bibles or get your phones out, and, and yeah, because who carries the Bible anymore? I mean, if you have you got a Bible with you, if you got a Bible, just hold it up. Okay, good. Yeah, well, more of you do than I thought. Okay, you got your phones. That's a Bible too. That's okay. Numbers, I'll get there eventually, I should have marked it in here. Numbers chapter 13 and 14. It is a story that you may want to go back and read again, but I just reference it to you there if you want to kind of scan through while I'm telling the story. It It is this account of the Exodus. And you understand that the Israelites have just spent, you know, these 400 years in captivity. They're, they're sick and tired of that. God hears their cry, sends Moses. You know the story. Have you been to see the movie Exodus, by the way? No? You ought to go see that. I went to go see that. It was pretty good, actually. It wasn't, wasn't way off track of all the story, but a uh, little, little added things, but not too bad. Anyway, so, so they've come out. They've come out of, of, of Egypt. They've come across. They've seen all the... This is a funny thing. They've seen God do everything. They've seen God do all the plagues. They've seen God with a Passover angel and all that kind of... I mean, they've seen all that stuff happen. They, they've left. They've been showered with gifts. They've gone out. They get out of the way. And, and along comes the Egypt. say, what in the world have we done? They go chasing after them. And God... Finds them. Here's God, the Red Sea, and and the Egyptians, and God is between them. And here's the Israelites, and and God opens the seas, and they walk across on dry land, and they get across to the other side. And you know the story. The Egyptians are wiped out. And so here are God's people on the edge of the Promised Land. They're on the edge of the Promised Land. They're on the edge of everything that. They've been told was there this great place of amazing abundance and all the rest of this. They have behind them a history of oppression. They have behind them a experience of God's power and authority and ability to set free all of that behind them, the promised land before them, and they're on the edges of this amazing kind of thing that's happening. And then they had this brilliant idea let's send some people in to check it out first. So you remember the story of the 12 spies. So they, sent, they picked out 12 guys, one from every tribe, and they sent them into the promised land. Go scope it out for us. Go see what's there. So off they go, and they're going through the land, and they're collecting samples and things that they're going to bring back. And they come back to the people, and they come loaded. I mean, they've got grapes, and they've got grain, and they've got all the goodies that they could find there. And they begin to share this testimony. And they say, the promised land is amazing. There is all kinds of great stuff over there. There's, there's food and there's vineyards and there's, and there's fields and there's all kinds of stuff there. There's everything that God ever told us it would be. It is exactly like it is. It's amazing. But, little bitty problem. <laughs> See, the problem is, the cities are fortified. The cities have huge walls, and the people there are huge, and there's a bunch of them. It actually says, we're going to be like grasshoppers. You know, We're like a nobody in comparison to this stuff. See, ten of them came back and gave that kind of report. They said, we can't do it. We're going to get wiped out. It's crazy to go into that. It's crazy to step over there. Two of them, they said, oh yeah, that's true. It's just what those guys said. I mean, it is abundance. It's all the goodies. And the people are big. Walls are tall. Cities are fortified. But the two guys said this. They said... But if God is with us, it'll be okay. If God is with us, it'll be okay. And you probably remember the story. The people said, no, we're not going to go in. The people listened to the ten who saw the abundance, who saw the opportunity, but who were so afraid of what might be. They said, we can't do it. They said, no, we're not going to go. And God's response to them, an interesting response, he said to these guys, This generation of people will never enter, not the promised land, will never enter my rest. And when he says that little phrase, will never enter my rest, that's what takes us back to Hebrews. Because the author of Hebrews is talking to these guys about rest. He's talking about a peace with God, not based on our circumstances, not based on something I do or don't do, but based on faith in their God. Faith that says, no matter what comes, no matter what I experience, no matter the persecutions, no matter the troubles, no matter, no matter anything that comes my way, I'm going to trust in God. You see, that's what rest is. Rest is not a cessation of activity. It's knowing the peace of God. Rest is not living in the abundance of the promised land. It's living in trust in God. Rest is not junk. It's just the presence of God. It's a continuous statement that says, no matter what comes my way, no matter what I experience, I'm going to trust in God. And in that kind of mindset, we find our rest. We find the promised, not the promised land, but the promised rest. With God. And the author of Hebrews says, folks, he he doesn't deny that there's a problem. You understand this? The author of Hebrews isn't saying, man alive, you put your faith and trust in God and there'll be nothing disastrous happen to you in the next life. All of this stuff. He is telling them stuff is going to come. You're going to be a statistic somewhere. But you can trust in God and find rest in the midst of it. Because we have a high priest who understands who we are. One who has been tempted in every way as we are. Yet is without sin. That's to say, one who has gone through all the junk of our lives, who knows about it, who understands it, who's walked in it, that God is on our side. That God is making intercession. That God invites us to come and find grace and mercy and help in time of need. It's not a promise of everything's going to be rosy. It's a promise of God's presence with us in the midst of the stuff of life. And the author says, Today, today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. You know what hardening your hearts is? Hardening our hearts is saying, God, I'm so afraid of my unknown future. This makes no sense. Listen to me. This makes no sense, but this is what we say. Because I'm so afraid of my unknown future, I'm going to go it on my own. That's what hardening your heart is. That's, that's what the Israelites were saying. Because of my unknown future, I'm going to go it on my own. And we are invited to say, because of the unknown future, and because, yeah, I'm afraid. Yeah, I don't know what's out there. I have lots of fears and anxieties and I don't know what's coming. But but this I do know. God is on my side. And God goes with me. That's the opposite of hardening your heart. It's not a denial of the fear. It's not a denial of the unknown. It's not a denial of stuff happening. It's just an admission of God is present with us. And in that place, we find rest. Because He is our help. Our grace. Our mercy. And our help. Amen? I'd like to pray. I mean, I don't know what you've got going on. I I think about my future of the year, you know, and we, you know me and Norma and what's going on with us. And enormous health. And what does this year hold? I don't know. When I'm thinking about the new year, I'm thinking about those kind of things. I'm thinking about my kids. I'm thinking, God, what do you want to do in them? <sighs> Can you just draw them closer to yourself this year? a lot of stuff we're thinking about in church a lot of unknown possibilities you know it's it's not it's not just a statistic out there somewhere it's us with real strength to come in the midst of struggles with real hope to come in the midst of the I don't know with real rest to come for all the things that wake us up in the middle of the night. And I'd like to pray. I'd like to pray for you. If you've got one of those kind of spots, I mean, if you, you may be sitting here thinking, man, I'm so excited. My year's all going to be great. But maybe you've got some of those spots where you just say, I don't know. Maybe you've got such big opportunities that are just scaring you. Maybe you have such stuff on the horizon that troubles you deeply. If you'd like to pray about it, I'd like to pray with you. I've invited a couple of our pastoral staff, Beverly and Brian. They just come and kind of find a place. And, and we'd just like to pray with you. This is kind of a pastoral New Year. God, into your hands do we commit this situation kind of thing. If you've got one of those and you know who you are, if you do, <laughs> because you'll know it. <laughs> if you've got one of those and you'd like prayer... I want to invite you just to come. Just come and stand, make a couple lines, whatever, and just just tell us real briefly what you want us to pray for you about. And we're going to pray over you. Just pray that God would be present, that he'd work in your life. Amen? Into your hands, Lord, do we give you all that we are. The known, the unknown. The things that uh, will be filled with joy and the things that Lord will honestly fill our hearts with sorrow. Our spouses, our parents, our children, grandchildren, our work, our ministries, life. This day we choose you. We don't know what the future holds, but we know you. And you are able. And you are for us. And so God, do your good work in us and through us. And give us your rest day by day. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.